Hey, it's PF. Uh, it's going to be busy around these parts for the next two weeks, so you're going to get some encore presentations, but we've got some fun ones. Yeah, I didn't realize uh, how many episodes are no longer available since it only goes back 300, and as I've said before, I uh, for those of you who still use iTunes, I know that's not very many people and it really wouldn't make a difference, but I'm afraid if I set it for 500 or 600 in Podbean, which is the host site, that it'll jam up your uh, devices with all these extra episodes. So uh, I think it's more fun to kind of go back and you know keep these kind of in the archives, keep them kind of our little secret, and we know where to find them. Uh, so anyway, they're all available on Podbean. You can go to uh, pfradio.podbean.com and listen to the entire catalog if you want and dig through it. But if you're listening through some kind of podcatching device, I think it only goes back uh, 300 episodes, which would take us into like 200 somewhere. So we're going to go back into the 100s and do a couple of back-to-back episodes. Uh, we're going to do episode 194 this week and 195 next week. Episode 194, I remember half this episode. It's an interview with Walk the Moon, who I don't remember interviewing, and Marine and the Diamonds, who I do remember interviewing. Well, Marina off of Marine and the Diamonds. And I believe Fangirl helped out on this one. And we have a, a very funny crime song investigation. We used to do those, and we, we may get back to doing those again. Those are a lot of fun. And so enjoy this encore presentation of PF's Tape Recorder. We will have a brand new song of the week, though, on the other side of this. So here you go, episode 194, uh, interview with Walk the Moon and Marina of Marina and the Diamonds. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Midjew from Ultravox, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, back-to-back interviews with Marina and the Diamonds and Walk the Moon. The Welsh on talks about her love for America. Yes, I absolutely love my time time spent there and um, it seems to be a very kind of, a place where I'm very, very much welcomed and, and understood. Um, I don't know, I've always had a real affinity for America and I, and I kind of feel that back. Also, Walk the Moon tell us what an Eminem fan did with face paint they provided to her at Lollapalooza a couple of years ago. you want to stay tuned for that. Oh, that's all coming up in just a few minutes, but first we have a very gripping episode of CSI, Crime Song Investigation. And Fangirl is with me here when uh, we have a, a special case on our hands here. And I, I, think, I think this case broke over in the UK. I don't think anyone's uh, discussing it here yet, largely because the uh, plaintiff is not widely known in this country, uh, though the defendant is Miss Megan Trainer. So, um, yeah, so uh, I, I didn't come up with a clever intro for this. Um, uh, let me see. Uh, Something about no treble. No, because this is her new song, is, uh, is Dear dear Future Husband. Oh, this isn't the one that I found? No, no, this is Dear oh. Future Husband and, and Ollie Murs. Um, okay, well, here, we'll, uh, I'll whip off the sunglasses, and uh, uh, looks like Megan Trainer danced a little too hard.
Okay, so we're going to hear from the uh, defendant first. Uh, this is the new single from Megan Trainor. It's going to be. It's going to be her third single uh, from her. Have you heard this yet, by the way? Um, I haven't wanted to. I haven't felt motivated to listen to it, so I haven't. Okay, well, here we go. Here's uh, Dear Future Husband, Megan Trainor. Okay, I think there's going to be a pretty open and shut case here, but um, uh, here now is the uh, the plaintiff in the case, Mr. Ollie Murs. Fangirl is laughing hysterically. This may be the <laughs> easiest case we've ever had to solve. <laughs> and, uh, this is worse than the banana splits one. Oh, and, uh, and Bob Marley. Yeah, this is... Uh, and, uh, and Marvin Gaye. And, uh, yeah, this one is just... <laughs> so yeah, there's, yeah it's, this is going to be pretty bad. As they said on oh Radio 1... I hate to do other people's jokes, but they did this on Radio 1, uh, 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 Mills and uh, Chris Stark. And they, they came out of the Megan Trainor song, and Mills is like, good thing Ollie Mers wasn't listening, he would have spat out his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> He's so right. Let's get another blast of uh, Megan Trainor real quick. Threes, bomb, bomb, what you need. You got that nine to five, but baby, so do I. So don't be thinking I'll be home and making up with Okay, that's case closed. Thanks, fangirl. Uh, yeah. All right, <laughs> bye. <laughs> Marine the Diamond's third album, Fruit, was released on March 16th. She'll be touring North America this spring and coming back in the summer. Fangirl got a chance to talk to her along with me, and uh, I think this kind of made Fangirl's day. Here now is our interview with Marine the Diamond's. Good, good. Uh, my co-host on my podcast is joining me with me. This is Fangirl. Hi. Uh, Hannah's her real name. But, oh, um, hi. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'd like to say for the re- we we did this back in 2010 when you toured America. And um, I was the first in the family to be among the diamonds. And then everybody else kind of <laughs> followed me along. I, I came on board when Hollywood was in the charts. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's Thank lovely. You. Yeah. So we have some questions for you. Uh, we'll knock this out. I know you're short for time, so I'll let Fangirl mm-hmm. start. All right. I'm really excited to get to talk to you because okay. music's really meant a lot to me. So um, my first question is, while we're completely done with Electra Heart, can you see any of the Fruit of the Month singles fitting into Electra's archetypes? Ooh. 
that's a good question. Um, I mean, I suppose you could in a way. I can imagine I'm a ruin fitting in with the home wrecker archetype. <laughs> um, and fruit could probably fit in with the prima donna archetype because it's all about living that good life. I can see that too. I like that. <laughs> now, it's a concept album, of course. Again, do you have like a concept in mind when you start or just when a concept comes, do you think, okay, it's time to make an album? Um, no, not not at all. In fact, with um, with Electra Heart, it kind of started to knit together around halfway through writing the album, and then with Fruit, um, I didn't even pick the the title name until the very end. And and in fact, lyrically, there isn't really um, one big concept running through it. It's more has more of a conceptual release strategy with the Fruit of the Month. So I suppose, yeah, they've been conceptual in different ways. Electra Heart, definitely more to do with, with the lyrics, though. Um, the Electra Tours, they all had the, the big set and the big Electra Heart sign that, oh, it kills me. I never got to see it light up myself, but it was so cool. Um, do you see the Fruit Tour having a big oh. set that the show kind of revolves around as well? Yes, yeah. Even more so, I hope, anyway, than Electra. Um, I'm aiming to create something really surreal, which blends nature with um, with a very modern electrical element. So I am um, excited to put that together, but I can't say too much about it. Is Marilyn going to have to sit out on this tour? Or is she coming along? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, last time, uh, we spoke. Hello? Hello? Hey, you still there? Can you hear us? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. okay. Um, last yeah. time, uh, we spoke, you would, uh, I mentioned that your, your, the sound of, uh, of Hollywood and the singles from, uh, Electro Heart Rock kind of 80 ish sounding. And you kind of said, well, that was more your producers doing. But overall, do you, um, have a strong control of the vision or do you, there are other people trying to butt in and say, oh, you should try this? Because, you know, on the day of the X Factor and with acts like that, you know, it seems everybody seems mm. to know about music except the actual artist and trusting them. Do you run into that a lot? Yeah, um, I, that's an interesting question. It's very valid. Um, I have experienced that at different points in my career. For example, on the first record, I felt very much in control um, of the production, but it was also a collaborative effort because I was, you know, working with another person. So um, I remember that the songs I wrote alone, I felt very creatively um, in control of, but the ones I was co-writing, I didn't because the other person was producing it as I would write. And then when it came to doing Electra Har, making concerted effort to, you know, put myself out there and collaborate with people and challenge myself, um, I found that the repercussion was that I was um, having the producer's production style applied to me as opposed to them taking notes from who I was as an artist and who I, you know, what I sounded like. So... The plus point of that is that if you're working with these producers like Dr. Luke, that, that's a very popular sound. It's very safe for radio, so it gains you a lot of exposure. But the, the minus is that you are in danger of sounding like other people. Um, so for Fruit, it's been really a blissful experience because I wrote the whole record entirely alone 
and I co-produced it this time with one person. So I've been able to represent myself as an artist in a much clearer way. Cool. Fangirl? Um, if we take it back to the family jewels, did you have imagery attached to that? Because I know that I've gotten really into the way that you've had like the archetypes of the Electra, the heart on the tree. Mm. That was so interesting to me. And the fruits of the month is just genius. But family jewels, I never really saw a strong, like, I guess, persona attached to it. So I was curious about that. Yeah, um, it's it. Um, it was. I think it was a bit more fluid, really. Like, I think if it had if it had a visual theme running through, it was more of a pop art kind of um, infused one. So pulling a lot from American imagery. Um, but in a pop cultural way. Then Electra Heart was more kind of Americana, like dusty, 50s, 60s, housewives, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's... Um, I definitely don't, like, consciously try and do, like, a different persona for each album. I, like, I'm really not interested in reinvention. I don't think it's necessary. Um, but I think because I did Electra Heart, I think people sometimes are expecting me to like expecting fruit for example to have like a new persona attached to it and it's not really about that it's more just whatever is appropriate for the album uh speaking of america are you looking forward to coming back to america are you a big uh american file uh, we're big anglophiles here so <laughs> um you know i am <laughs> <laughs> yes i absolutely love my time time spent there and um it seems to be a very kind of a place where I'm very, very much welcomed and, and understood. Um, I don't know. I've always had a real affinity for America, and I and and I kind of feel that back. So I'll be really looking forward to touring, touring there again. So I think I'm coming back in October for a proper, proper touring. Okay, yeah, because we're seeing you in the spring here uh, in Cincinnati. Yes, I've got nine. I've got nine. Um, quite strange one-off dates um they're kind of like an introduction to to like the new visual and new album and then i have the festivals and then when the fall comes then i'll do my first headline tour okay and you had a question about festivals and venues oh, yeah because we we're sitting here we're, we're just so shocked mm. that you're at a smaller venue and that that's where we're seeing you and it's really cool for us because obviously it's more intimate but you have things like coachella on your list which is obviously one of the like bigger music festivals do you have a preference or do you like them both? Mm. um it really depends i mean to be honest i know it's really boring but it's like a lot of it a lot of the decisions about venues are about logistical things so for example because it's not part of a big headline tour and it's more like a one-off special showcase date, you're, you don't have your whole rig with you, you know, your like whole truck of production. So it wouldn't make sense for me to do a huge venue um, because it, visually it would look wrong and I want, I want things, whatever I do, to look appropriate. So, um, so yeah, so with Coachella, it's a completely different deal, completely different kind of stage design um so i i like i treat them as different bodies really whereas like for the show that i'm gonna do in your town it's it's more i think the vibe is different because you know that there's like a lot of hardcore fans there whereas with coachella it's much more like a spread out energy i guess you can get more fans uh you can get introduce more people because we went to Lollapalooza last year and discovered some new bands that we hadn't really familiar with before so maybe if we, you know, folks can become diamonds mm. that way. But then, um, 
And of course, for us though, like you said, it works better because we get you know a more intimate venue. Yeah. Another question, fangirl. Um, oh, uh, the family jewels was very empowering, and Electra Heart had a lot of feminism in it. And I know that you've spoken on feminism before, which I think is really cool. I think it's one of the reasons I connect you so much. And I was wondering if you incorporated them in fruit as well and the songs that haven't been released yet. Hmm, interesting. Um. I mean, yeah, there is one song in particular that I would say is, comes from a, a, my perspective as a female as opposed to just as a, a person, and that song is called Can't Put Me Down. Um, it's kind of about, you know, defying the perceptions that people have of you or expectations or assumptions, and that really pisses me off. <laughs> Both as a woman, but also as an artist, I think... Um, I just think before Fruit of Hunt felt very understood and I felt like people thought that I was something else rather than what I was, which was really frustrating. But um, but yeah, of course I'm a feminist. I think everyone should be. It's like, it's just about having equal rights. That's all it means to me, just being treated equally. So it's not, you know, I think people don't really like the word feminism, but it's, it's not about whether you're a feminist or not. It's about whether you're pro-human being or not. Well said. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, any other questions, Fangirl, before we let Marina go? No, I don't think so. Okay, because we're up against the clock here. They're probably going to break in and, and cut us off. But we appreciate you doing this um, <laughs> and, uh, and being on the show and so forth. I'm looking forward to seeing the show in May here in Cincinnati. And, uh, and, and good luck with the rest cool. of your time in America. Thank you. Um, it was a pleasure. Really nice question. Great. Oh, can I just uh, bother you for one thing? Could you do a liner for me? Just uh, hi, this yeah. is Marina. Anything along the lines of, hi, this is Marina, and you're listening to PF's tape recorder? To, to what? To PF? PF's tape recorder. PF's tape recorder, okay. Yep. Ready? Yep. Okay. Hey, this is Marina on the Diamonds, and you're listening to PF's tape recorder. Thank you very much, ma'am, and uh, we'll see you in May. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Nice to you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Seasons come and go from winter sun to summer snow. The same my first time at the rodeo. Nature ain't a fruit machine, she's gotta keep her credits clean. Good things come to Thanks again to Marina for being on the show. Marina starts her North American tour at Coachella on April 12th, and she winds her way through North America before heading back to Europe. For all Marina and the Diamonds tour dates, go to marinaandthediamonds.com. Now, right now, we're listening to Fruit. That's the title track from her brand-new album. came out March 16th. Highly recommended by Fangirl, by the way. And uh, we'll enjoy a little bit of this as we head into Walk the Moon. And 
Walk the Moon are a band from Cincinnati, Ohio, inspired by the police, if the name didn't tip you off. Yes, they're named for the song Walking on the Moon. Talking Heads and other 80s groups, but they also have a very contemporary feel. They're on tour in North America right now supporting their brand new album, It's Hard to Talk. It spawned a top 30 hit in Shut Up and Dance. And we caught up with guitarist Eli Maiman in Boise, Idaho, in the midst of the band's tour. Here now is our interview with Walk the Moon. All right, well, um, okay, so uh, uh, Nick formed the band in 2008, and then you said you came aboard around 2011 uh, when Anna's son was getting some heat. Were you, were you recruited into the band, or were you just playing shows, and he was also playing shows, or how did that come about? Well, I had actually played, um, I had played bass in Walk the Moon for a while, um, just kind of filling in on random gigs that Nick had. Okay. Because um, really, he was... Uh, he was kind of running and operating the band as a solo project for a little while, so he would just kind of play with whoever was available. Um, and we had met just kind of from being in the, the Cincinnati scene. So, um, so I, so, so I ended up playing bass, uh, for Washington for a while, and it wasn't until early 2011 when he had, uh, Nick, or when Nick had, uh, Kevin and Sean kind of walked in that I, I got brought aboard. Okay, cool. So, um, you uh, born and bred in Cincinnati, or did were you uh, are you a transplant like me? No, I am. Uh, I I am born, raised. I went to high school and I went to college and I lived there after college. Um, I'm I'm Cincinnati through and through. Okay, so the typical Cincinnati question: What high school did you go to? <laughs> I went to Madeira High School. Okay. Oh, really? We're down here in Anderson Township. We're just yeah. right down the road from you. Oh, wow, how cool! Okay, well, very good. Well, I'm kind of near, I was kind of near Indian Hill yeah, yeah. and Kenwood. Nick, yep. Nick, I think Nick actually went to Anderson for a little while. He, oh, he wow. from Milford. Yeah, I, I yeah. think one of my daughter's friends is in the Anna Sun video, or someone she knows at, at high, in school is <laughs> was uh, in the, uh, and it kept it on the QT, and he, she's like, that's the, very, that's the coolest thing, why wouldn't you uh, say anything about that? Um, so, like, Nick, yeah. are, are you very 80s influenced as well? Because, of course, the name of the band comes from a police song. Uh, is there a lot of other 80s influence right. going on in the band? Yeah, there's a ton of 80s influence in the band. Um, you know, the, the police is always a band that we're looking to. Um, Talking Heads, of course, we've talked about a lot. Um, Prince and ELO. Um, personally, my, my guitar playing is really heavily influenced by Pink Floyd and Dave Gilmore. Okay. Um, <laughs> so much so that I that I uh, I purchased a black strat so that I could I could feel more like Dave Gilmore on the tour. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, so yeah, there you know there is a lot of influence um, from that decade. But it's still a very contemporary sound, though overall. Right, right. I think I think really what we take from the '80s influence is we like to write songs. Um, that have big hooks and catchy choruses, um, so much so that you that they might be able to be called pop songs. But then we always strive to kind of take a left turn into the weird, you know? Yeah, yeah. Kind of throw ourselves into the abyss, and that's something that we really admire about bands like the Talking Heads is that they would have really catchy um, songs that got stuck in your head, but then. 
but you know, there was always something weird going on or some yes. some odd left turns. So yeah, yeah. That's that's what we really admire about those bands. Kind of like uh, OMD it was the same way. They were writing pop songs, but uh, there was always some little weird element to all of them. Um, Exactly. Where did the uh, did the idea for the, the the paint on the face is that kind of an Adam Ant inspired thing or is that just something that happened and you guys liked it and just went with it? That's kind of a trademark of yours nowadays. Sorry, oh, sorry. What is that? The, the face the, paint. The, yeah, the face paint. Yeah, the face paint. I mean, the face paint came from the Anderson music video. Um, it's just part of what we were going for in terms of this kind of Lost Boys, Peter Pan, okay. uh, Never Neverland vibe that we were going for with the video. Um, and so it, it, it worked really well with that. And then people just started coming to the shows in the face paint, and it really happened kind of organically. You know, it, it ended up being a great marketing tool, especially early on. You know, you would people would leave the concert and you'd see people at, you know, a restaurant after the show and people would ask where the face paint was from and it, it ended up being this great marketing tool totally by accident. Um, but since then, it's really become this kind of visual representation of the community that we strive to create at Walk the Moon shows. Um, the show is, is meant to be this very positive communal experience um, where we all come together and kind of have um, a bit of a catharsis and, and are able to forget about uh, what's going on in your daily life and, and bullshit that's weighing you down. So uh, it's it's kind of become a, a mark of that community, the face paint. So does that feel a little different at um, at festivals where you're playing with a bunch of bands? Of course, we saw you at Bunbury where people, everybody knew who you were, but at other uh, festivals... You know, do you kind of see people in the crowd of the face paint? And you're like, aha! You know, we got a, a good sized crowd here. Or do you have to win some people? Do you feel like you have to win some people over sometimes? Yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It's also fun to know who's there to see walk the boot. You know, you can point them out much easier when they've got it written across their faces. Um, I, I remember the first time we played Lollapalooza. Um, <laughs> we were we were we were first we were the first band on the main stage, and the headliner that night was Eminem. No. <laughs> and we sent somebody, we sent, we, we walked down the front row before our set and like handed out face paint and gave people paint. And this one girl who was in the front row took some face paint from us and then wrote Eminem across her breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and so she was standing in the front row just kind of giving us a pop look for the entire set. But, you know, hey. spreading the love, doing our best. I'm sure Marshall didn't mind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of songwriting, I know uh, Nick is only credited with writing a couple of the songs on his own. I reckon he wrote those before he had the the full band formed, and, and everything else is credited to the band. Do people come in with different ideas, or does Nick come in with a basic structure? Everybody kind of adds to it, or how does that process work? Yeah, uh, uh, the first record, a lot of it um, was written before the band was fully formed, you know, during the period of time when, when Nick was in college up at Kenyon. Um, and so, and so a lot, a lot of that writing was, was done by him. With this record, the writing was extremely collaborative. Um, we actually rented out a Masonic Lodge in Northern Kentucky for six weeks in the summer of 2013 and just set up our stuff in the main hall and played 
and wrote for 12 to 14 hours a day, six days a week, for six weeks, and ended up writing about 50 songs for this record. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, wrote a ton of material uh, that that everyone was a huge part of, and I think, um, you know, I think the the end result is that it sounds more like it's a better representation of the four, what it sounds like when the four of us play music. Um, you know, you have more of each person's voice on this record than we ever had before. So how do you whittle down 50 songs? Do you just take a vote and say who likes, you know, Shut Up and Dance, who likes uh, Sidekick, who likes, you know... <laughs> yeah. You... Is that how... Yeah, it... It, yeah, yeah. It felt terrible. It was awful. It was the worst. You know, we had a, uh, we had a, a meeting where everyone voted on the songs. And, and oh, okay. We narrowed it down to about 25, and then we took the 25 to a producer, Tim Pagnata, who said, these songs are really happening, and these are not. And we said, Tim, you're totally full of shit. And <laughs> uh, more, more, often than, more often than not, Tim was right. Um, and Tim uh, definitely definitely was a, a, a positive person, was a positive force on this record. Um, so it's the process of choosing songs is just, one of my least favorite. <laughs> it's just awful. So, but the good news is that we've got a ton of material that I'm still really looking forward to putting out at some point in time. So. Okay, so some of those songs may survive and see the light, and maybe it's B sides, or maybe even make it to the next record. Right, and some of them we've actually played live already, just to test them out. <laughs> and people are are clamoring for those songs. You know, oh, cool! Like, Why didn't this song or that song make the record? And uh, you know, Cadillac problems. You don't want to let anybody down, but, uh, right. but it's, it's kind of nice to leave them wanting more. So uh, recording at a Masonic Hall, did any uh, any Illuminati uh, uh, rumors following you guys now? Illuminati rumors? The Illuminati, yeah. And, uh, we're pretty, <laughs> pretty low-key on the, on the Illuminati stuff. But, uh, but um, so no. So, um, <laughs> I, got so, nothing, I got nothing clever to say here, dude. <laughs> That's fine. When the um, before the band uh, took off, and you know you were playing around town, did you have notions of having some other career? Were you always going to be a musician of some sort somewhere? I had I had pretty much always wanted to be a musician. I was very lucky in that I, I knew that from an early age, and I wasn't um, I wasn't struggling to find what my passion was. Okay. Uh, so I, I consider myself really lucky for that. I definitely had a freak out near the end of college where I was like, I got to be a doctor. I got to, I'll <laughs> never make money to do this shit. I got to be a doctor. No, no, no. I got to be a lawyer. I got to be. And I, I actually ended up taking the, um, the LSAT and just did terribly. And, oh. and kind of took that as a sign that I, I should probably just stick with, uh, with playing guitar. So you're, you're planning on being a lawyer? Was that kind of the, I tried. I okay. tried. I went. I, I went to school for. Uh, I went to school for music. I actually studied jazz guitar at the College Conservatory of Music in Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Um, so I was getting near the end of getting that degree uh, when I when I freaked out and decided that I needed to do something else. Oh, okay. But, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but it's worked out for the best. I don't so know. If there's a group from the 80s called the Ocean Blue. I don't know if you ever heard of. They're from Pennsylvania, and uh, they've been playing out again. The uh, the lead singer and chief songwriter in that group is now he's a uh, copyright lawyer in Minnesota. So, I, I'm sure he's making great cash doing that. Yeah, and he gets to go home at, at you know every night, which is you know 
getting getting to go home is a luxury for us. It's the it's really the the one thing that I am uh, I'm particularly jealous of. Do you have any kind of a musical project you'd like to tackle, like you know, maybe do a soundtrack or a musical or something like that, or are you just you know taking it as it comes? Yeah, for sure. We're all everyone in the band is pretty ambitious, and everyone imagines projects outside of this. But right now, everyone's focus is just just doing Walk the Moon. Um, you know, we worked on this record for years for for. You know, if you include all the writing and recording, it's probably two, a two-year process. And we ended up with something that we were really proud of and then we're really, really excited about. And it would be a, a disservice to do anything but put all of our energy behind it. So that's really our intention for the, the foreseeable future. We're just going to tour the snot out of it <laughs> and uh, and try to try to take it around the United States and hopefully get to Asia and Europe. Cool, and uh, I know it's a little early to tell you because you just got this record out the door, but I'm curious because uh, Freddie from the Vaccines had told me that really a, for a band, it's really the third record that really defines what direction you're going in. Have you guys thought that far ahead, or are you just putting your nose to the grindstone for album number two here? Mm. We are um, we are pretty much constantly writing. You know, We're always producing new stuff, and I think it's important uh, for artists to continuously create. You know, you're kind of like, your creative muscle really is that. It really is a muscle, and if you don't exercise it, it kind of atrophies and deteriorates. So we're always we're always working on new stuff. We're always trying to think think one step ahead. But uh, but it really is it really is all focused on talking. It's hard right now. Yeah, um, I know a lot of comedians say that, it, you know, in their creative process, it takes, you know, you got to dig through a lot of dirt to get to that nugget of gold. Is that kind of the, the same in the songwriting yeah. process for you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like I said, we wrote 50 songs. I don't think they're all enormous smash hits. <laughs> I think a lot of it is pretty good. And, um, you know, I th- it's interesting being creative. I think you get on rolls, you know, like, like if you write a song that you're really proud of, usually the next one will be pretty good too. And then maybe your next one is great. And then the next one is a total stinker. <laughs> you know, it's interesting how it, how it kind of comes in waves. Um, yeah. I like, I like that, that there's still some random element to it. You know, it's, you do as much as you can to, uh, kind of, make sure that your output is is consistent and hopefully consistently good but you still can't you can't guarantee inspiration you know yeah and so and so with with songwriting or playing guitar or i think any creative endeavor you just kind of have to be at that you have to step up to the plate and hope that that something nice gets thrown to you that you can hit out of the park cool and the tour is going well people the, the folks are responding uh as well as always I'm, so, I'm sorry, I missed and that one. The tour is going well. People are responding as well as always because, of course, people here went, went bananas for you at, at Bunbury uh, right before you, you know, <laughs> decided to start writing the second album. Um, things, things are going similarly well uh, at other uh, in the rest of the country. Yeah, yeah, we are. Uh, you know, this is the biggest tour we've ever done, playing the biggest rooms uh, to the largest audiences that we've ever done, and we're we're having a total blast. It's super fun after kind of being in the cave of the studio for so long to be bringing it out into the world and to the people. Um, so we're just, 
we're just going to keep the guitars flowing and keep keep bringing it and see how far we can take it. Well, cool. Hey, guys, it's just about time I was just going to say, up. that's Sorry. perfect nope. timing. I was going to say, uh, thanks for for uh, for doing this, uh, Eli, and uh, this will be in Print and City pages when you're up there in Minneapolis, so check it out there, and then we'll uh, see you back home here in Cincinnati soon, of course. And uh, thanks for taking the time, man. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right, life. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thanks again to Eli from Walk the Moon for being on the show. Uh, you can catch Walk the Moon live somewhere this summer, probably. They're winding up the first leg of this tour April 7th, which is two days after this drops. All previous shows were sold out, so it wouldn't have done any good anyway. Uh, the last remaining show is at the Fillmore in Detroit. Probably by the time this drops, that will be sold out as well. So good for those guys. Uh, we're going to leave you with a track here. I'm going to skip the... Uh, I'm going to skip the uh, credits here and let you get on to your, uh, your Easter celebration and enjoying Easter Monday if you're uh, there in Britain enjoying the extra day off that we don't get here in North America. But uh, we're going to leave you with uh, a song This is uh, that you're listening to right now is uh, Sidekick. I believe this should be the next single from the album It's Hard to Talk. They've only released the one single so far, and it did pretty well. I don't know why they released another one, but um, this is my vote for the next single from Walk the Moon, It's Hard to Talk. It is called Sidekick. So long, and thanks for listening. Do you, do you, do you want to be my sidekick? Sidekick, do you want to be my? Do you want to be my? So there you go. Like I said, no recollection of interviewing Walk the Moon. Uh, do have a recollection of interviewing Marina. I know Fangirl is very excited about that prospect. Yes, and there you have it. So the song of the week comes from Gorillas. I think this was supposed to be last week's, and I accidentally played the weekend again as the song of the week. But it's a great tune, so it could be a song of the week twice. Why not? But anyway, Gorillaz has a new album. Uh, I think I think it's called Song... I can't remember the name of the album now. Song... It's a project where they have all different lead singers. We played the one from Robert Smith a couple of weeks ago. But uh, this one, which I thought was the best one on the album, but now this one has really grown on me. I think this is the best one. It features Peter Hook, from uh, formerly from New Order, currently of Peter Hook and the Light. It is a song called Aries, and it's a... The, my wife made a good point. The the Robert Smith song just sounds like they got Robert Smith to sing on a gorilla song, which is fine. But it seems like this is more of a collab where this really sounds like you can really hear Peter Hook's influence uh, in the, in the guitar work and the bass and all that. And so, well, here you have it. Uh, this is our song of the week on PFT Recorder: Gorillas featuring Peter Hook, Aries. So long and thanks for listening. <laughs>
I'm looking 